You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Okay, I'm here with uh, Jim Johnson. Hey everybody. And Kirk Marks. Hello, Fin Fans. Hey Kirk, uh, so tell us what's been going on, man. Well, just trying to get uh, all these travel arrangements and things together for all these trips down to Florida. Excited about it. September, we have a lot of games at home. So just the logistics of, you know getting your house together and going down there and being with a crowd, been waiting a long time to get back into this. And we had all that dead period, but now we'll, uh, getting excited. I'm hoping that, um, they live up to some kind of expectation, which isn't really, the bar's not set that high, but the atmosphere itself helps out, makes up for some of the disappointment and, uh, just ready to go. Excited to go. Enjoying preseason football. No, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. <laughs> not not enjoying it at all. I want, I'm ready for some real games. Yes, so we can yes. see the, the you know the players that that are going to play. So I want them to peel see. that onion back a little bit. Let me see what they got. You know, exactly, exactly. But it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I you know from the going to the first game, and you know it's my fourth or fifth year with season tickets, and luckily the people that are in my group are still there uh-huh. so you have a bond you know a special bond with those people oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it was nice to see them and talk about what they think and that that's the best part of it yeah it's, it's just fun catching up and, with everybody you know the first week of the season that they, that you see them you know and uh, uh, all that kind of thing jim how are you doing i'm really ready for the first game so we can we can like you say peel the onion back and see what see what we got left here uh, some of these games, the first two, there was some good things to take away, and there was some things that troubled us even more. So, yeah, I mean, uh, these games are more to see who's going to fill out the bottom percentage of your roster. You know, I'm I'm ready for that first game. Let's get to let's get to it. All right. Well, let's let's talk about this past game uh, with Tampa uh, real quick. Uh, yeah, I was looking over the stats, and, and I know most people don't even bother to look at preseason stats, so I, I thought I'd mention a few of them. Uh, we had uh, 162 passing yards to Tampa's 234. Uh, we outrushed Tampa 118 to 75. They won time of possession by about five minutes. Each team committed a turnover. Now, the stat that concerns me, and this is one I always look at, is third down conversions, and, and we were at... Uh, 12.5%, a Tampa converted 26.6%. So we didn't convert a whole lot of third downs, and you never like to see that. It reminds me of uh, past quarterbacks. We had Patrick Laird, who had uh, seven carries and, and 51 yards. We had uh, Kenneth Farrell, who had three carries for 41 yards. We had Miles Gaskin, six carries, 17 yards, and Mark Walton, uh, five carries, eight yards. Now, Miami averaged uh, 5.1 yards a rush during the game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Tampa averaged uh, 2.7 yards a rush. Uh, average per pass, Miami averaged 3.8. Uh, that's, yeah, that's that's embarrassing. And uh, Tampa didn't average a whole lot more. They averaged 5.7. We had uh, five receivers who, who led with two receptions apiece. Uh, Gazeki was one of those guys. 
sacks. Everybody knows that Harris had one and a half sacks. Uh, so that was nice to see. Wilkins had a sack. Orchid had a sack. Baker had a half a sack. Problem with Baker is he's missing tackles at the quarterback, and he's got to find a way to fix that. So what were your guys' impressions of the uh, first half? You know, I was looking at, you know, being preseason, and we've already said that none of us are all that excited about it. But I tried to look at, you know, what the starting line is going to be, you know, when they hand the ball off. How can they execute? What's, you know, how's the running game going to go? And I'm looking for glimpses of what could be maybe. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me is they – they went with Mark Walton, you know, primarily early on, and that offensive line gave him no room to move the ball at all. He was running into the backs of jerseys, the front of defenders, just nowhere to go with the ball. You know, as the game progressed and some of the starting defensive linemen were out, you know, the, the, you know, the running lanes got bigger and better. But, uh, you know, that's why your stat line looks so much better for – you know, Gaskin and Laird and, and Farrow uh, rather than Walton. But that was one of the biggest things that stuck out to me early is we did not have much success trying to run the ball. Me personally, I was looking at it, and like you said, we had trouble, you know, opening up lanes for these running backs to go. I was trying to look and see who are they putting out on the field first because I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to fill this roster out. And I do think that uh, Walton's going to be right up in there because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But I kept looking at the linemen also, and some of the line play, you're just looking at it, and you, you just can't believe what you're seeing. And it happens every single year. We, we just can't seem to get any kind of depth. And I know that this is preseason, so we're getting to take a look at some of these players that aren't even going to be there. I'm really anxious to see the starting five they put on there and what tight ends they're going to use, because they're going to have to use Smythe. They're going to have to use Allen. They're going to have to use blocking tight ends to help open up these holes. So hopefully we get there. What The side of the ball I looked at was the defensive side, and I started to get excited because I remember in the, uh, earlier in the preseason, Mike, I had talked about it, and you asked me what I thought was the, you know, what was the best side of the team, and I told you offense. Uh-huh. And that has changed because oh, I'm – you came around, huh? I came yeah. around to the defensive side of the ball because I'm seeing these young kids flying around. They're fearless. They're hitting people. You know, they're, they're starting to create some turnovers, and – that's exciting because I, I think that our defense is ahead of our offense, and I think it's going to stay that way this season. Yeah, defense is usually ahead of the offense in camp, but if you look at our team, I think we have a lot more talent on defense than we do offense. And also it looks like uh, Williams came back to earth because he dropped some easy passes. Yeah, we'll, we can talk about that a little later. That's that's incredible the way that happens, you know. Uh, <laughs> he looked all world last week, you know, and then this this week he couldn't catch a cold. Just funny how that works. And everybody, you know, they were ready to elect him to the Hall of Fame a week ago. And, you know, nobody's talking about him this week. So just just funny. Now now uh, the linebacker is the guy everybody's talking about. Yeah, well, you know, the first play of the game, I think, on offense, you know, Stills dropped the first pass. So it wasn't just uh, Williams. So that first drive. Well, the ball was wet, and you know, I'm sure they, oh, yeah. you know, they had a little bit of nerves, especially yeah. you know the, the young kid. But that's the way it goes. That's you, for sure. You got to perform. So we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, the kid is talented, so it's just a matter of him shaking off the nerves and uh, 
getting with the jugs machine and doing whatever he's got to do to make sure he catches those passes going forward. He does go up and fight for those passes. That, yes, that he one does. Yeah. In the end zone, if his you know if his foot's a couple inches in, that's a touchdown. Yeah. So he does uh, he does make things very exciting. I think that well, you said we're going to talk about him later, but well, we're talking about you, him now, so that's yeah, fine. You can you can see that he does have some special talent, and yeah. hopefully it, it works out, and he can earn himself a spot in the uh, in the starters rotation and make things happen for us. Well, I don't know about him starting right away, but I'm pretty sure he's got a spot on the roster. He's a pretty talented kid. They just got to get him to be consistent. I watched the first half, and uh, I, I made a couple of notes. You know, the, the uh, uh, first Tampa series, it was third and 13. Uh, Baker came in uh, untouched. He hit Winston, and uh, Harris clean, cleans him up for the sack. Harris pushed the uh, offensive tackle back, got outside his left shoulder, and uh, kept the play contained, which was good to see uh, because that left Winston nowhere to go but down. Uh, in the second series, you, ha- you had uh, Gabbert throwing to Ellington for minus three yards, and that linebacker I was talking about, number 49, Sam Equivan, puts his helmet on the ball and uh, knocked it out. Miami recovered the uh, Fumble, and uh, the call stood after they reviewed it. Uh, the next Miami series, Miami had a goal to go, but a holding uh, penalty by uh, eight-year pro Dwayne Allen caused the drive to stall against uh, Tampa's first team defense. As uh, Rosen hit Kazenki short of the goal, and he c- couldn't get it over. Uh, they ended up being stopped on uh, fourth down as Rosen threw a pass that uh, Ford couldn't catch. It was too low. You know, that was a drive that stalled that maybe could have been a, a scoring opportunity that they shouldn't have let slip away. You guys have any thoughts on, on that uh, first quarter? Yeah, I touched on it briefly earlier. You know, that that first drive, you know, Rosen was fairly sharp, uh, was delivering the ball fairly quickly and efficiently, and, you know, Stills dropped one and then Williams dropped one, and they were both on their hands and uh, drop balls. So, you know, it is what it is. Like you said, Mike, you, you know, you got to perform out there and, and drop balls just kills the drive. So, uh, and that holding uh, first and goal, uh, you, you just have to avoid those types of things. Well, an eight-year vet does. Well, exactly, exactly. They, you got to know it's that situational football. There's things you just can't allow, think, you know, yourself to do when you're down there on the goal line. Uh, and then, uh, I'm not sure if it was in the first quarter, but, uh, I was just saying how Rosen was delivering the ball well. Well, he missed Gazeki on an easy big gainer. It was kind of a slant going right, uh, left to right on the field. And, uh, he just missed him and he was wide open and, uh, you know, that could have been a big gainer there. So there was opportunities, um, but what I did like was some of the play designs and, and things like that, that they're probably going to use some of those concepts. And uh, on defense, uh, you know, Sam Aguavin or Equivin, you, you pronounced it, um, he, uh, he really impressed me. And I know it's early, it's one game, and I get that. But, uh, you know, I never saw Deion Jordan or Charles Harris uh, making those, having those types of games early on. So, you know, these are things I like to see and, uh, we need a linebacker to step up to the plate. So that's, that's a good thing to see. He's missed some tackles, but what I like about him is he hits with some thunder, you know, he hits, uh, solidly. So you like guys like that because they do knock balls loose and, and they do, uh, make an impact on the game. So 
if he can be consistent with that and and, and clean up some of the missed tackles, then uh, he's got a good chance to be pretty good. He seems to be around that ball an awful lot too. Yep. On all those plays, because I was watching him, and uh, like you said, if he can clean up a couple of missed tackles, like he missed that one where the guy came off the left tackle and he just like stuck his arm out, he totally got fooled by it a little bit. But the ones he did wrap up, the kid's a player. It's going to take him some time. And this is the perfect year for for kids like him to, to try out for the team and make the team because we're devoid of talent. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity for some of these guys to make a team, whereas in other years, there might not be that opportunity. And going to the game, you get to sit and watch them develop. You know, that's uh, one of the fun things about going to these type of games. Uh, you know, we may be a losing team, but there's plenty to look forward to when you go. Now, in that second quarter, uh, Rosen, the third and three, the uh, pocket was collapsing, but he remained poised and, and delivered a strike to Stills on a crossing route for nine yards. Uh, I was kind of impressed by that because it was caving in around him. And he didn't worry about it. He just delivered the ball. It was right on target. And uh, they picked up nine yards on the play. Now, uh, it was a penalty on Calhoun for a false start on second and 11. And and you clearly see that he just, you know, jumped up when he shouldn't have. Uh, So they got to work with him to clean that up. You know, being a rookie, we hope that that doesn't happen a lot. Rosen hit Butler on a second and 16 for 11 yards. Again, uh, good play by the quarterback, uh, good throw. Uh, That's what you want to see on second and 16, you know. They picked up a good chunk of it, so they've got an opportunity on third down. But on third and five, uh, Preston couldn't control Rosen's slightly off uh, target pass. It was slightly behind him, and uh, he uh, couldn't catch it. But Rosen escaped pressure through on the run. They end up settling for a 45-yard field goal. So there was positive and negative there. Um, but uh, as long as Rosen can escape that pressure and get those passes off, I'm sure the majority of them are going to be caught. So I give him credit. And uh, like I said, uh, a slightly errant pass, a slightly uh, behind him pass. You know, Normally, these receivers are good at catching those. It's like a back shoulder throw in a sense. Then the next series uh, was Tampa's ball on third and eight. Uh, Gabbert scrambles uh, for six, but it could have been a lot more. Wills had, had really scurried in it and brought him down short of the first because that that side of the field was wide open. He had to, he had to run a long way to get to him. Now Miami's next series was like all kinds of ugly. Jared Jones Smith was holding, uh, but offset offsetting penalties on the first down, so uh, it ended up being second and five. Uh, the next play, he got beat around the edge uh, for a sack. They, they lost seven yards, so that uh, uh, made it third and 12. <laughs> then Davis got fooled on an inside spin move, and Rosen was sacked because he, he didn't have a chance of escaping the middle pressure. Uh, so Tampa took over at the 50. They drove into uh, field goal range, and, and they kicked a 32-yard field goal. So that that brought us to the two-minute warning in in the second quarter. Uh, Miami ran Gaskin twice for five yards. Uh, Rosen then threw short to Williams, and and the defender drops an apparent interception because he was just covered. The ball was short. Probably should have gone somewhere else. Now Miami ended up stopping uh, Tampa, and and, uh, they took over the Tampa 44. Rosen hits Ford for 15, then Williams for 11. But that was reversed because it was pretty apparent that Williams never caught that pass. It it went through his hands and hit the ground. Should have been caught, but it wasn't. Uh, Second 11, Rosen is sacked uh, by a six-man rush. They just 
couldn't account for the, the six rushers, and uh, they broke through. Third and 12, Rosen uh, lays up a perfect pass for Williams. It deflects and is caught, but his left foot had just hit the chalk. Uh, so Miami ends up settling for a uh, 49-yard field goal. Uh, now, that was an impressive play. It was it was so unfortunate that his his uh, left foot just barely hit the chalk, and uh, that cost us a potential score. He had great concentration on that, and the fact that he came, back, came down with the ball was impressive, but he's got to know where he is on the field as well. You guys have any further thoughts on that second quarter? Mistakes. Yeah. Without yeah. The, if they could clean those mistakes up. It, it killed a lot of good-looking drives. They were shooting themselves in the foot, as we like to say. Exactly. And that one, like you said, the, the one where he got sacked by like half the team, it's the, the floodgates just opened up. And yep. That was a series I was talking about earlier with uh, Jones Smith. That's exactly what I saw. Yep. And all right, so Davis gave up one, but it's not the norm for him to give up a bunch of uh, – you know, pressures and sacks like that. Hopefully it isn't because we need him. That's well, he's playing at right tackle now. So, you know, it's, there's a bit of an adjustment period. I'm sure he has played it before, and he played it pretty well, if I recall, uh, the year before last. Yeah, he was fairly solid at, at right tackle. I liked him at tackle better than guard, to be honest. Yep. yep. Well, I'm hoping um, that's where they have him. I hope they yeah, have him well, out of tackle. I think the coach today said they're pretty happy with the starting five uh, that they started in the game, and you know that was him at tackle. So, so they're going to we'll keep Cal. They're going to keep Calhoun and Dieter both in. Yep. With Tunzel and Kilgore, what happened? What happened to Reed? Reed was supposed to, you know, he he's going to be. He's well. They obviously <laughs> like this better, uh, but but I, I think he's going to make the team because he's he's really the only guy I'm aware of that can play center and guard. So he'll be your first guy off the bench, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll be your inside guy coming off the bench for sure. Yep. He played pretty well at center. Yep. You know, Reed is, uh, you know, we we changed our offensive line coach, and, you know, he was wanting to play the veterans. And I don't think Flores liked what they were doing or liked uh, their potential ceiling as well. So I think, you know, he replaced – Flaherty, and he went with these young guys, Calhoun and and Dieter, and he wants to see what they're going to do. And, you know, they're not going to figure it out sitting on the bench. They need game reps. An offensive line has to gel. It has to be some, you know, mutual uh, knowing of what the other guy's doing. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the back of your hand kind of thing. And when you start putting a, a tight end on the end of the line and you have defenders lining up over them and the tight end isn't you know just supposed to be blocking that whole line has to shift so your assignments change and if one guy on that line doesn't realize what's going on then it's a jailbreak for the quarterback so there's a lot to digest on that offensive line and I'm I'm hopeful that these two young guys we got at guards can step up and you know, make a place for themselves in the NFL. Well, from what I understand, they're really, you know, they're decent at, at the run, but the pass leaves a little bit to be desired, which they can work on that. And we were talking about earlier, the uh, as far as the tight end blocking, if we use that fullback and the running backs, and they're going to have to know their blocking assignments also. They're going to, if they let somebody get through so that they can get open, and they definitely got to be able to chip that guy coming in long enough so the quarterback has time to set it up and, and go through his progressions. Yeah, it really depends how many people are rushing in. You know, you've got to you've got to account for them. So they've got to count. You know, it's real simple. 
there are schemes to be able to block people, pulling guards and a few other exotic things that can be done. Yep. Roster cuts are coming up, not too long. And uh, I think what you want to watch as the next two games develop is uh, how playing time is distributed. Uh, because a lot of times that'll kind of tell you beforehand who who's going to be cut. The guys that aren't getting a lot of snaps are usually guys that are at risk. So I'd be watching some of the veterans at, at receiver. I'd be watching Alan Hearns. I'd be watching Bryce Butler, and I'd be watching Isaiah Ford. One may stick. I, I don't think two will. Uh, Hearns is the most expensive. Uh, he, he's making like something like $3 million a year. On the offensive line, you've got Zach Stirrup. You've got Jordan Mills. you got Kyle Fuller. you got Will Holden. As, as I mentioned, I think Reed's probably safe because he is versatile. Now, those two positions, do you guys uh, have a feeling on, on, on which may stay and which may go? Uh, yeah, I'll take up on this one, Mike. The uh, At the receiver position, uh, I think Bryce Butler is going to make the roster, and I think Isaiah Ford is going to be the odd man out, uh, and as well as, as Hearns. Um, Hearns has had very few snaps, uh, and Butler and Ford are getting getting his reps in preseason and I was kind of surprised at that but it's kind of a telling tale uh, Hearns had two two catches the other night and he fumbled one of them away so he may already be in the doghouse a little bit and uh, Bryce uh, Bryce Butler has made some pretty key catches and uh, you know so I'm going to give the nod to him right now and you're going to give him the nod over uh, Isaiah Ford also I think so yeah because I think Williams is going to get the you know the the number five receiver spot, and uh, I think it's Butler that gets the the last spot. Well, are we sure the top three are staying. I yes, I'm fairly certain that they're staying as long as we can't find a trade partner for uh, you know the wounded warrior out there, Parker. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I, I this is the guy that I'm s- supremely frustrated with. He's been nothing but a Oh, let's see, a roster blocker for everybody else on the on the team, um, just absorbing a spot. And I'm very frustrated with his injury issues and what appears to be lack of desire to be out there making plays. So, you know, I know how you feel and I hear everybody saying it and I get it. But I hate putting myself in the position to where I'm saying somebody else doesn't desire it. Yeah, well, that's why I said it appears this way. Oh, you know, no, I know, it's, I know. It's just, and, and uh, I'm not, oh, I know. I'm not blaming you because, believe me, the majority feels that way. So you're not wrong. And I, de- I, I, I just hate to do it. Yeah, and I desperately want him to be that first-round number one wide receiver. I mean, I'd, I'd love nothing better to have him go out there and kill it, you know? Uh you know, and bring up Preston Williams and, and have Stills as your speed guy and and uh, Grant and Wilson tearing it up underneath. That'd be spectacular. But, man, it just gets harder and harder to visualize that coming coming to life, you know. I mean, everything I hear about Parker is he's a very likable guy. He's a high-character guy. He is uh, a good teammate. These are all things that I hear. And if all those things are true, I can't believe he's dogging it. True. But that's the impression that everybody has. And and I mean, everybody, uh, you know, so many people think he's just a bum and he needs to be cut. And, you know, but I don't know. You know, I don't know. But what I do know is that training staff has to figure out a way to keep this guy on the field. Hey, guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. 
on the app that you're listening on. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. They haven't been able to do it uh, since he got there. Nope. And I, nope, they always they seem haven't. to talk about uh, like soft tissue and stuff like that. And every year, and, and I like Parker because I want him to succeed. I don't like you know losing first round draft picks. And you know the kid has potential. But it seems like every year we get happy in the beginning of preseason before the pads go on. Yeah, of course. And then the minute the pads go on, and we're, I'm like hoping this year, okay, well, here he comes, and then here he is again. So, and, and basically, he got a reprieve with this new regime, and he's not taking advantage of it. And, and it could be injuries. I, it, he could be hurt, and some people just can't deal with injuries. So, I don't think yeah. it's, it's a lack of desire or anything like that. I just don't think that he can cope with whatever, whatever he's going through. He's unable to cope with the injury. But as far as Butler and Ford, I think Hearns is gone. When, Hearns, when we first signed him, I'm like, oh, cool, we got this guy. He's going to help us out, but he really hasn't amounted to to much. And you could tell by the receptions that Butler and Ford are getting in the last week or two, and that is a telling sign. Now, Butler has made some really good catches, but I see them using Ford more than I've seen them use him in a long time. So I'm not really sure which one of those two sticks yet. You know, time will tell with that also. But then you got this kid, uh, we'll probably end up on a practice squad, but the the young kid, Irwin. So there's some other receivers popping in here that are, you know, they're catching your attention a little bit. So it, it makes it interesting to see, you know, what they end up doing with this. And I think at some point, uh, maybe not this year, but I think that uh, Stills is short for the team. I think at some point they're going to uh, either trade him or not re-sign him. Or, but we'll see. That's down the road. Well, let me ask you this. If, if you're Jerry Jones, would you trade for him? Yeah, I would trade for him. I would trade for I would trade for Stills because I think he's still a, a decent player, but I think he's fallen off a little bit. He's starting to get he's starting to get up there a little bit, and it just seems like uh, he's not going to be too much in our plans. Yeah, well, what, between his age, the, the fact he's becoming a bit of a distraction, and uh, the fact that uh, you know he did he did regress a little bit last year. Now that may be because of the quarterback and have absolutely nothing to do with him. But regardless of the case, his numbers were down. They know what they've gotten him. So if they if they do put him on the market, I, I would say he's probably not going to have a great deal of a success elsewhere. Uh, but the thing you also have to consider is if, if they're planning for, you know, 2021, you know, Stills is going to be 29, 30 years old then. So uh, he may not fit in their plans for that reason alone. Exactly. Especially if we're starting to go with a youth movement, he might be on his way out and uh, still waiting for for Grant to get back on the field. He's coming. I know. I'm, I'm ready, coming. though. I'm ready. <laughs> Get yeah, back out there. Wilson, get back out there. Let's go. Yeah. Well, no, don't rush, though. Don't rush. Just just be ready when we go up against yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. First first game, be ready. Yeah. Yep. Mike, you mentioned the off- Mike, you mentioned the offensive linemen. What's your take on who's going to make the roster? Well, I don't have a take on who's going to get the roster, make the roster, but I have a I have a take on a couple of guys I don't think will make the roster. I'm not impressed with Zach Stirrup, and I I know he's a big body, you know he's he's big and tall and and somewhat wide, and uh, you know I know why they liked him, but I don't like him. Uh, Jordan Mills, I don't like. Uh, 
he was so slow-footed in that game the other night. I would hope that they can pick up a tackle they, they can bring in. Uh, maybe when guys uh, are cut, uh, that can be an upgrade over those two uh, because those two are, to me, not worth a whole lot. Will Holden hasn't impressed me. Has he impressed either of you guys? I, no. I haven't been impressed by him. Yeah, I haven't seen Holden do anything that really stands out, and I'm in agreement with Stirrup and uh, Mills. Uh, Mills, the other night, I it was like apparent to me that he he's either not healthy or out of shape or something because I, it looked like he had Velcro on his shoes. He just couldn't get him off the turf, and uh, I, I was like, man, we brought this guy in voluntarily and, and gave him a contract, so... Um, yeah, those those three guys that you mentioned are uh, may as well go. And if you can find somebody on the waiver wire, or you know, keep an undrafted guy and see if they'll turn into something. But those those three there, I I don't think they're they're escalating to any higher ceiling at this point. Yeah, neither. At tight end, I think Clive, Clive uh, Wilford is probably going to be looking for work. Yes. At linebacker, you know, and I'm looking mostly at veterans here when I'm talking. Uh, at linebacker, you've got Kiko Alonso and you've got Raekwon McMillan, and, and you have to ask yourself, uh, are these guys in this team's plans? You know, with, with the uh, injuries that they've had and uh, their performance on the field, and the guys coming up behind them, are they going to be in their plans? Uh, so that will be interesting to see. You guys have any feelings on that? I think that uh, McMillan and Alonzo, yeah. you, know, you can see them on that, that depth chart that they put out, which, you know, that doesn't really mean anything at this point. But I don't think either one of them deserve to start. I think these other kids that are in there, Baker, if you took Baker and uh, I would give that kid a guavi and a shot. And let those two play. They're young kids and they're, they're around the ball and they're getting into the backfield. Let them play. Let's have some excitement. And I think Aguavian well, also, I think he can, I, I think I think think he can cover play. a little bit also. Yeah, if, if anybody out there has listened to our podcast before, uh, you know how I feel about Kiko Alonso. How we feel. Yeah, we feel. Well, <laughs> I, I was trying not to put words in your mouth, Mike, but, uh, you know. Now all three of us. Yeah. I don't I, call him Kiki for nothing. It's Kiki, yes. Uh, <laughs> the guy is is got a high motor. He's high energy. It just goes to waste about 80% of the time. So uh, he's costing us a lot of money. I would love it if we could find some sort of trade partner and, and pay a portion of his salary just so that we can move on. You'd uh, have to because he's highly paid and yeah. nobody's going to trade for him unless well, you do. exactly. I was researching that a little bit today, and, and whoever would trade for him would need to absorb his $6.5 million salary, and most teams won't pay that for a caliber of, of Alonzo's, you know, so... You know, we're gonna you know, let me let me just say this, Jim. I think Alonzo can play in the right scheme. He's probably okay as a two-down linebacker where he's not going to have to do a lot of pass coverage, and they can scheme him to success. Right. And, and, and the way we're going to do things, I don't know if he's going to have success. Now, maybe these guys can figure out a way to use him to where he will. That remains to be seen. Uh, he may be on the roster because of his salary. Uh, so we'll see, you know, we'll see. But I, I just, you know, I, I, he's such a high effort guy, but his effort is wasted. His, you know, a lot of times it's wasted motion, you know. Uh, exactly. So it is what it is. You know, we've talked about it before. We're just rehashing it. Yeah, but right. uh, 
the bottom line is I, I think he's probably 50-50 to make the roster, maybe slightly above that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Raekwon McMillan, I was a fan of him when we drafted him, and, and then he got hurt in that stupid play, and he really hasn't come back from that. You know, the second half of um, slow. last year, he improved a bit, but his, you know, like we said with Mills, he's – he seems like he's slow, too slow to react. You know, once he gets moving, he's he's okay, but it's it just seems like it's too slow a lot of the time. And, you know, in this new defense we're going to have, I believe you're not going to have, you know, three and four linebackers on the field at one time. You're probably going to have two linebackers on the field and some more D-backs. And I just don't see Alonzo and McMillan fitting in as well as some of the, you know, uh, Baker and, and this new guy, Sam McGuavin. And, uh, you know, and even a couple of the new guys that they've just brought in, uh, Nick DeLuca and Terrell Hanks, you know, they got a lot of playing time in the second half of some of these games. And, and they've looked good. They've looked athletic. They've looked fast. And they're right on the ball. Uh, not always making plays, but they're right there. So, you know, if I'm McMillan and I'm Alonzo, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not looking to buy a bunch of real estate in South Florida. No, no definitely not. And we know we're not going to see them on the field at the same time if they do uh, They do get on there. But we also got Van Genkel also. So we have a lot, we have some good young linebackers that are uh, fast, and that's what you need is speed. And we, I think we're going that direction. And I, I don't see McMillan or Alonzo uh, being long for the team or or starting, especially McMillan, Mike, in the beginning when we, you know, you, you always seem to be a little bit cold towards him. And, I mean, as far as you weren't sure about him. and then I, Your middle linebacker has got to be somebody who sets the tone for your defense, and I don't think he does that. No, I, I saw him coming on a little bit last year towards the end, and I thought that that well, would Well, he, he had a horrendous start. Oh, yeah, he it was would, definitely horrendous. You know, and, and it's understandable. He was coming off a torn ACL. It's totally understandable. I'm not knocking the guy at all. But we're just talking on the football field. He had a horrendous start, and uh, he did he did improve somewhat as the season went on. But even at the end of the season, he's just slower than you would like. And you don't see the big impact plays. You you didn't see um, the jarring hits. You didn't see what you want your middle linebacker to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. It took me a little bit longer to see it. But, you know, now and I can see that he's not getting on the field. Uh-huh. He's not going to be. I mean, he's definitely not going to be a starter. I mean, okay, well, we have injuries and stuff like that, but I don't think that he. I thought he was going to get beat out anyway. You saw this kid last week make a hit right on the ball, knock the ball loose. We get it. That's what you're looking for from your middle linebacker. You know, impact plays. You're looking for them to impact the game. Cornerback position. Now, again, we're talking mostly veterans here. Uh, you've got uh, Tyler Patman. You've got uh, Maurice Smith. You've got Jalen Davis. You've got uh, Armstrong. Which of these guys do you think are in serious jeopardy? I think Armstrong is probably definitely out. Patman, they keep wanting him to, to do something, but he's not doing anything. All, all four of those guys, I really don't have much faith in if you know, we had a breakdown in a cornerback one or two. And if you plug one of them guys in, your boy, you're going to be like, oh, we just inserted a target for the quarterback. 
you know, it's just not, you know, we don't have a lot of depth there. I'm not particularly fond of, you know, those guys and their play. I mean, we've got McTire that's looked good in a few plays and then not looked very good in, you know, in the same series. Uh, we've got uh, Chris L Lamons, uh, Lamons. Uh, he made a couple of nice pass breakups in that game Friday night. I, I was glad to see anybody uh, coming into the secondary and, and knocking the ball down. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they manage those guys. And obviously this coaching staff sees them in practice and knows what their tendencies are and things like that that goes into a lot of your decisions on who's going to be the last guy on that roster. All right, guys. Do so you think uh, Farnsworth is going to uh, unseat uh, Denny? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, Denny's going to be able to finish it out and he's automatic and he deserves still to be there. I would be disappointed if they replaced him with the new guy. And I get it to some degree, uh, you know, we've got a new regime and all of that. But if Denny hasn't earned a certain amount of respect from that new staff just because of his longevity and all that, and now I'm not saying if, you know, if he can't do the job, then you got to move on. Yeah, I mean, you know, you shake his hand and... Uh, well, he, he may be able to do the job, but they may feel a kid can do it better. Well, that could be, but I, I would still be disappointed if they, if they replaced him with the new guy. I agree with Jim. I think everybody would, right? I mean, he's been on the team so long, he kind of grows on you, but uh, every, everything ends, you know? Yeah. I've got a pet peeve. You know what my pet peeve is? Besides Kiko Alonso? No, besides Kiko Alonso. My pet peeve is everybody crying about the offensive line and acting like a quarterback can't have, a, have any success behind a bad one. It annoys me because we've watched um, the kid in Seattle. We've watched Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. They both have had terrible offensive lines, but they've had success behind them. And they're not the only two. You know, 16 lines in the NFL are below average. So our line's bad. Our line's awful. Our line's embarrassing. It's been that way since 2009. I get it. But stop using it as an excuse for poor quarterback play. You've got to understand the difference. You know, if a, if a guy beats the left tackle and he's got a second and a half and gets sacked, okay, that's fine. He had nothing he could have done about it. He didn't see it coming. Came from his blind side. He got obliterated. That's fine. That's not on him. But when he's got two and a half, three seconds to throw, and he's you know deer in the headlights in the pocket, that's him. It has nothing to do with that left tackle letting that guy around him after two and a half seconds. The quarterback's got to feel it. He's got to step up in the pocket. He's got to roll away from it. He's got to do whatever he's got to do to execute the play that he's expected to execute. So people have to understand the difference. The line is an excuse when it's a jailbreak situation. You know, then you could say, okay, well, the quarterback had no shot. wasn't his fault. That happens. Two, three times a game, it happens. It doesn't happen every play. The guy goes back to pass. So, you know, we use it as an excuse too much, way too much for, for bad quarterback play. And, you know, I hear, you know, people saying they're already making excuses for these quarterbacks, and, and you can't do that. They've got to function behind poor lines. That's what it is to be in the NFL. That's what it is to be a professional quarterback. Got to be able to do it. Would you guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd like to add to it. When I was watching the games, I guess you guys do the same thing. As soon as he, he takes the snap, I start counting to see, 
you know, you go one, 1,000, two, 1,000, throw it. And it seems like Rosen was getting the ball out pretty quick and Fitzpatrick also. It, last year, bad line or not, these two quarterbacks this year have pocket presence. Last year, we didn't have pocket presence. So you know that our other quarterback was going to get sacked. These guys seem to try to roll out, do whatever they can do to try to make a play happen. They're when, they get, when they get sacked, it's because they have nowhere to go. So I wouldn't even say bad quarterback play because I don't think the quarterback play has been bad. No, no, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. I'm, I'm saying people are making excuses for it. And it's, you know, part of that is part of the job requirement. You've got to be able to function behind a poor offensive line in the NFL. You've got to be able to do it. Uh, you may not be a winning team, but the quarterback has to have some success behind a bad line. You can't use that as an excuse week to week to week to week. There are certain weeks where, like, you know, when we play uh, the Ravens and, you know, they're sacked 12 times, okay, the line was bad, the quarterback couldn't do nothing on to next week. But that's the exception. That's not the rule. Yeah, I got to agree with you, Mike. Um, It's been such a two-way street for us as Dolphin fans. You know, there's a lot of blame that was put on Tannehill, and justifiably so. You know, again, if you've listened to this pod much, you know, we were not big uh, Ryan Tannehill supporters. But you, it's... No, we were, we were, we were supporters, but we, we right. weren't believers. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a yeah. difference. Yeah, and, and, you know, you give credit where credit is due. You know, he had his good games, and, you know, he had some offensive lines. You know, when we had the unicorn line there... Uh, you know, we had a bunch of first round picks and it was pretty solid for a few games, but as a quarterback, you can't expect to have a a wall of security on every down. You're going to have, and it's going to come. So you have to be ready for it. And just for an example, watching the Friday night game, you know, I use the slow motion like you were talking about, Kirk, counting the seconds. But you, when you go to slow motion, you can see who's doing what and what's happening and what's developing a lot easier. But Rosen in the first quarter and in the first half, he had a lot of opportunities with a clean pocket. So don't throw all of these stones at the offensive line because he had opportunities where he had a clean pocket and he didn't make anything happen. Now, if the receiver drops the ball, that's not on the quarterback. But the opportunities were there and and we didn't get any production. Uh, obviously, when the line breaks down, the quarterback has to change the play, change the plan, figure something out, audible out of a blitz, do something. Um, and this is something we haven't had much success with for years. So I think both Fitzpatrick and Rosen are more on top of that aspect of the game. They've been able to improvise and extend drives and plays. So let's uh, let's not all blame it on the quarterback or the offensive line. It's a it's a team, and you you've got to have somebody making plays on every down, just about. And it is refreshing to see that with the with the quarterbacks because you can automatically by watching these games you can see it that they have a little bit more pocket presence and. There's ways to, you know, to take care of an, an, an inadequate line by running backs and, and, and stacking a line with a, with a tight end, quick hitters, quick slants, stuff like that. That's up to the coaches to study their game film and put us in the best position to win and, and to call those plays. So I'm sure that uh, as we go, things are going to get better. 
I think so. I, I just think people have to get it out of their head. They just have to get that whole mentality out of their head. Watch the game and try and judge the quarterback based on what he does when he has the ability to do it. In other words, if he's given two and a half seconds to throw, what did he do in that two and a half seconds and what options did he have? And that's how you judge a quarterback. If he gets sacked after he stood there three and a half seconds, well, what happened prior to that? Did he miss an open read? Did, did he go through his progressions? Was he looking at the ass of the center in front of him? What was he doing? And that's how you have to determine whether or not it was the line's fault, the quarterback's fault, or the receiver got knocked off his pattern, or whatever it is. Something happened to cause him to stand there for three and a half seconds. Anyway, uh, you know, you, you judge a quarterback uh, not by the line couldn't block. That's not how you judge him. You don't give him a free pass because the line gave up a sack. It's not how it works. You judge the quarterback based on what he did on that play. And if it resulted in a sack that wasn't his fault, then he doesn't get a bad grade for the play. So you move on to the next play and you judge him again. And that's the way it works. And that's how, you know, a quarterback on a bad team gets fired, <laughs> you know, uh, he may have a bad offensive line, but if he's not doing his job, he's going to get fired. He doesn't have to have a good line. He has to do his job. Yeah. I, I think we're sense. just we're all just ready to see the starting five out there. Yeah, the starting five out there and, you know, a quarterback that knows what to do when things are not great around him. I agree. Hopefully, hopefully Rosen can do that. Now, you know, it was a knock on him in Arizona that he couldn't, that he got frazzled. So we'll see. All right, so with that, I, I think we're going to close the show. Uh, Jim, is there anything else you had to add tonight? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. It's, uh, you know, it is preseason, and uh, the only thing I can say is, you know, people don't, don't knee-jerk react to all of these games, and uh, the score doesn't mean much, and the plays are kind of vanilla. So let's just get through it and not, not get some, any, any major injuries, and uh, let's wait for that first game. Jim, how important is the third preseason game? I don't think it's as important as people want to think it is. Oh, they're all like, oh, the third game is it, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't I don't think any one particular game is that much more important than the others. And how would you answer that, Kirk? I think in the past it was more important. Me too. But I, but I think now you just want to get through, like uh, Jim said, you're more worried about injuries than anything else because it's not like we have a, a, a whole lot of depth anywhere. So you, if you can get out of those games unscathed, because the last game is just basically a throwaway anyway for the bottom of the roster. But uh, Coaches are much more concerned about evaluating the youngsters than they are about giving their veterans a lot of work. I yeah, agree. So I don't it, think it's, it's nearly as important. So anyway, all right, that's going to be it for tonight. I, I do want to thank you guys for joining me. And... Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Fins up. Fins up, everybody. Fins up. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. <laughs>